Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray, I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Daniel W. Dresner, who is Professor of International Politics at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, and who also writes for the Washington Post. And we're going to be talking about Donald Trump at Davos. Daniel, we learned the day before yesterday that President Donald Trump will attend the Davos World Economic Forum. And this was broken by the New York Times. And the immediate reaction was sort of sniggering an immediate sense that this was two worlds colliding. Trump, the America first nationalist, protectionist, anti-elitist, drain the swamp president, going to see the most sort of elite neoliberal event you can imagine. But you said in a, in a very interesting piece on the Washington Post that you don't think necessarily he'll go down that badly. Can you explain what, what you're thinking? Well, I think I, I'm, my explanation was relative to expectations. As you say, the, the sort of first instinct everyone would have would be that this is going to go very, very badly. Mm. Um, after all, as you say, the, the normal attendees at the World Economic Forum, you know, uh, whatever you think neoliberalism is, usually it starts with whoever attends Davos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, indeed, in the United States, uh, Samuel Huntington, when he wrote uh, the book uh, Clash of Civilizations, you know, set up as his straw man something called Davos Man. Mm. You know, the idea of someone who was a, a true plutocrat who would go and, and really didn't think of themselves as uh, a citizen of any particular country and then would go to these kind of confabs and rub shoulders with other people. Um, that obviously sharply contrasts with Trump's sort of America first uh, brand of populist nationalism. And indeed, there's a scenario where you can see him going there uh, and trying to make the case for this um, and acting in a generally boorish manner, as Trump has tended to do on, on the global stage. Mm. Uh, so I don't mean to say that, that it's going to go swimmingly, but there are ways in which Davos actually works for Trump um, in that if there is anything that Trump craves, it's celebrity and acceptance by elites. And my hunch is that at least on the surface, he will get a reasonably polite treatment uh, in Davos. Um, it's not like people are going to show up and throw paint at him. He's still going to give a speech. There will probably be some polite applause of some kind. And Trump has a few things to brag about. He can brag about the tax cut that was just passed. Yes. He can brag. Yeah. Um, you know, he can brag about uh, the you know reasonably high rates of, of U.S. economic growth. Um, the fact that the unemployment rate is down to about 4%. Um, there's no evidence that the economy in 27... Oh, and, and of course, the uh, the the uh, high stock market uh, uh, valuations. Yes. Um, these are all things that, frankly, in 2017 weren't all that different from 2016. You're just seeing sort of trend rate growths in, in those areas. But nonetheless, Trump is going to be able to brag about this. Um, the second thing is there are going to be some people at Davos that are going to be happy to see him. Um, you know, Trump is a plutocrat. Uh, you know, he's a real estate magnet. He's probably dealt with a fair number of these people. Yes. Um, so in some ways, you know, not to mention the fact there are certain parts of the world, I'm thinking here of Israel and the Persian Gulf, that genuinely like Donald Trump, or at least like his foreign policies, and will probably make supportive statements uh, about him uh, at Davos. And then the third reason, and, and this is a slightly more subtle one, is that there are ways in which you could argue Trump's, Trump's actual policies are more sort of neoliberal than you would think. Um, you would think that populist nationalism, he ran on a platform where he literally bashed the World Economic Forum. His last campaign commercial 
um, before he got elected, uh, had, among other things, an image of George Soros speaking at Davos. Mm. Uh, so you would think that he would want to bash it. But if you actually take a look at most of his policies, they consist of deregulation and tax cuts. Um, these are things that, that neoliberals tend to like a fair amount. Do you think he'll try and cut it both ways? Because we, we had it last year in, it, in a different way with Theresa May, who went to Davos, and she said that line, it wasn't her quote, but she said it a few times, of if you're a citizen of the world, you're a citizen of nowhere. And this sort of played quite effectively, because although people at Davos were a bit horrified by that, it enabled her to sound like she was, a, she was behind the populist Brexit movement. And I mean, Trump will probably try and do like he did in China, perhaps a little bit. He will yes. try and signal to his base back home with a little bit, but also reassure them with the talking about the tax cut and things like that and, and effectively position himself as, a, as the middle ground between neoliberalism and nationalist populism, if you like. I think that's a, a, an accurate assessment of what's about to happen. And indeed, he said this before, as you say, in the APEC speech, uh, he made this kind of argument. And he said before, you know, I'm both a nationalist and an internationalist. Mm. Um, now, whether or not Trump has really thought about these issues very deeply is, is another debate. Um, but I have no doubt that he's simultaneously going to say a few things that play to his base at home and makes it seem like he's talking tough to elites. But at the same time, he's also going to say, but see, I've cut the corporate tax rate and I've made, you know, I've unleashed... Uh, innovation and entrepreneurship, which is supposed to be what we uh, at Davos care about. So, mm. you know, I, I think in some ways the, the other interesting thing will be how the optics of all this plays out. Um, the one way in which Trump might not enjoy Davos is the the blunt fact that he's not going to be the biggest celebrity there. Well, I saw that. I saw that you, you mentioned BuzzFeed's Hayes Brown said it, but I can't help thinking he will be, particularly if you think about the people there. I mean, they're all obsessed with Trump, really, aren't they? Well, I don't know if they would say they were all obsessed with Trump. I mean, I think the Silicon Valley folks, you know, people like Sergey Brin or, or um, uh, sure, Eric yeah. Schmidt are, you know, they are A, wealthier than Trump um, and B, don't necessarily see themselves quite as bound uh, as Trump does. And so, you know, and, and furthermore, there are going to be, you know, the usual assortment, I assume, of Hollywood types that are going to be going that, that have somewhat greater star power uh, than Trump. I, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be insignificant. He clearly is not. But he's not going to be the only person there that, that people are interested in hearing. Yes, there'll be a great temptation for, I mean, you've seen it in other great global summits that Trump has attended, where somebody tries to sort of, Macron has done it, pull a stunt over Trump to get sort of social media play for having sort of somehow humiliated or done down Trump in some way. Right. I mean, you saw that with Macron, I think, with the, the first handshake. Yes. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any similar sort of let me put it this way. If anyone does it, it's not going to be in the presence of Trump. Um, you know, you don't normally see that kind of thing happen at Davos. The videos don't uh, um, it, it doesn't work in terms of the optics. Rather, you know, you assume that someone's going to throw a party and, and rather uh, rather obviously not invite Trump. Yes. Or, you know, suggest that that even though Trump came and gave a speech, you know, he wasn't the he wasn't at any of the uh, the A-list parties, as it were. Yes. It's certainly going to be a strange event. We've we've just learned that John McDonnell, I don't know if you know who he is, he's our shadow chancellor, ah. a, a full-blown Marxist, is going to <laughs> attend. He's going to attend the event. So it's going to be an amazing assortment of people, I think. Well, in some ways, it, it actually represents, the weirdly, the victory of Davos. I mean, if you think about it a year ago at this point, there was a lot of, you know, I, I think a lot of the attendees at Davos were extremely self-conscious about the fact that populist nationalism seemed to be on the rise, that, you know, maybe the attendees at Davos were, were now the boogeyman. And as a result, it wasn't going to be, um, you know, the, the sort of A-list uh, venue that it had been before. But I think, you know, a few things have happened. First, Xi Jinping took great advantage last year 
to mm. actually make it seem like China was the standard bearer of the liberal international order, which is a breathtaking statement of hypocrisy and nonetheless a really deft diplomatic move on his part. The second thing is that the fact that you have you know people ranging from Trump to McDonald going to this thing mm. actually, you know, in some ways still makes Davos what Klaus Schwab always wanted it to be, which is the focal point um, of these kinds of confabs. And so, you know, if nothing else, the World Economic Forum will continue. And it's a way of reassuring. I don't really like the word neoliberal, but it's, 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 it's a way of reassuring the neoliberal elite that you're not completely alien to them. Right. No, I, I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of the word either. But nonetheless, it, the one time I always like to use it is when we talk about Davos, because let's yeah. face it, that is actually, you know, like if, if you look up neoliberalism in the dictionary, I'm sure there's a picture of the World Economic Forum right next to it. Yeah. Daniel, thank you very much for talking to us. And perhaps if something spectacular happens, we can get you on again, please. I'd be happy to. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. (laughs) 